everyone. Welcome to the Beauty and Behavior Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Sorensen, mother, grandmother, former teacher, and currently supporting parents who want to understand their children's behavior at a deeper level. This is where we talk about changing our perception and limiting beliefs around behavior to a more conscious approach to understanding ourselves, each other, and our most vulnerable population, our children. I share my self-discovery journey and what I've learned along the way and what I'm currently discovering as I continue evolving on this journey. My hope is that as we become more conscious of how we show up for ourselves, our children, and others, that we'll discover the beauty that lies within us all. So I hope you enjoy today's show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another week and another episode of the Beauty in Behavior podcast. And I am so happy to share a guest on the podcast today. We have Caroline Siniza Levine. And I think I got it right, right, Caroline? Yeah, absolutely. It's Caroline, <laughs> but it's absolutely. Mispronouncing people's names. Caroline Siniza Levine. Um, on a on our on the podcast today. So we're going to do an episode here and Caroline Caroline see there I did it already. Caroline is all about um, not having to choose between your dream career and parenthood. So I think this is going to be a great great conversation. But before we go into it, I want to read Caroline's uh, bio and I think you'll find this really interesting. All right, so Caroline Siniza Levine is a career expert, media personality, and founder of the Dream Career Club. Caroline is a senior contributor to Forbes.com and has written columns and wrote career columns for Money.com, Time.com, CNBC, and Portfolio. She has been a repeat guest expert on CBS, CNN, CNBC, and Fox Business and has been quoted in major media outlets, including Business Week, Entrepreneur, Fast Company, Fortune, Inc., NPR, and Success Magazine. As an executive coach, Caroline has worked with executives from Amazon, American Express, Condé, Condé Nast, I don't even know what that is, Nast? Media Publishing Company. Andy Nast. <laughs> Sorry, probably messed that up. Um, Goldman Sachs, Google, McKinsey, Tesla, and other leading firms. She teaches professional development and negotiation courses at Columbia University and is the creator of the online courses Behind the Scenes in the Hiring Process and Making Fire Possible. Caroline is the author of Jump Ship, 10 Steps to Starting a New Career. She is also a classically trained pianist at Juilliard and Manhattan School of Music. Caroline performed stand-up comedy um, in New York City clubs for 10 years, for 10 years. Sorry, I have my notes mumbled up here. And currently is a producer and writer with FBC Films. She is a native New Yorker. Caroline divides her time among Florida, New York, and Costa Rica, and blogs about her journey to the land of Pirabeta on Costa Rica fire. 
Wow, Caroline, <laughs> that is quite a bio. And I find this fascinating because you have done so many things. Like you have all of these experiences. And we were talking just before I hit record and I was saying, you know, I think traditionally we get into this mindset of, you know, like if you were trained as a classical pianist, then that's what you need to do, you know, and here you go and be a, you know, stand-up com comedy, you do stand-up comedy, you, you've written all these articles. So tell me, how did you come to do all these things? Yeah. So thanks so much for, for having me on your show and for just sharing, sharing my work. Um, I have been lucky that I have had people in my life where they've encouraged me to do different things mm -hmm. and where I also just had a philosophy around why not. <laughs> so I, I got into comedy, you know, just one example. I, I took a class. I felt like it would help my writing. And so I took a class. I didn't intend on performing. I certainly didn't intend on performing for almost 10 years in various clubs in New York City, which is not necessarily the easiest thing to do. And yet I, I just had a really good time in class. And then it turned out that there were a group of us who wanted to continue performing together. And so I performed with that group and then met other people and ended up performing in their shows and entered a contest and it was a national contest and became a semifinalist. And so, you know, you just kind of, you just go ahead. And so that's just one example, you know, with other things, if you had told me that I would be running my own business, 15 years ago, which is when I started my own business, I would have said, no, no way, you know, but I had, this is about parenting after all, I had two young kids, I had many different interests and it's really, really hard to have a traditional corporate job and have any time for yourself, much less with your family. So, so many of the professionals that I knew, I could see that they had these big jobs and they had their family. And that was it. And I knew that I just had more interest than that, that if it meant creating something different, I was going to have to do that. I didn't know exactly how that was going to work. But I, I just said to myself, why not? I'm sure there's a solution somewhere. And, and so I had to make one. Yeah, I love that. So what I'm hearing you say is that you had this curiosity that you nurtured right? You had curiosity and you, you did many different things. And I also am hearing you say that you were stepping out, stepping out of kind of that traditional mindset of this, you know, you have your family and you have your job, that's it. And, you know, there you are. And so I love that because this podcast is all about uh, breaking those generational cycles or those um, cultural uh, beliefs that, you know, we all have to, you know, this is, you went to school to be a teacher, now you're a teacher for the rest of your life, um, kind of thing. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's interesting. I started my career as a management consultant and then moved into recruiting. And so for the last 20 plus years, I've been in the 
career of other people's careers, <laughs> either hiring people and looking at their career path or as a career coach, I'm, I'm, I have my eyes on them and I'm helping them with their career path. And I noticed very early on, this was even before I was thinking about, you know, what am I going to do with my own career? I just noticed that there were many, many different ways to build a satisfying career and that people didn't, there just wasn't one path to success. I also noticed that there were people who were quite successful, you know, in the general terms, they had a big title, they had a big role, they had a big salary because I was a recruiter, I knew people's salaries, and yet they were still sometimes insecure or unhappy or felt like it wasn't enough. And so I realized, I think, earlier on than, than some people who will belabor the, oh my goodness, there's only one way of being a working mom or being a successful professional. I saw that there were a lot of different ways to do it. And I knew that I had to find my own way because trying to step into just one type of model, again, I saw people who were unhappy, who had the traditional trappings of success. So I just figured, well, clearly it's not just the salary or the title or the job. Wow, that's really big insight. And I, yeah, because we get into this pattern, I think of there is one right way, right? We want to do it the right way, not just one way, the right way. Um, and I love how you said there's so there's many paths to success and we can make our own path. I love that. I love that way of thinking. So how do you have a dream career and parent? Yeah, so I would say the, the first thing is to define what dream career means to you and also to define what type of parent you want to be. You know, there are some folks who, who know that they want to stay at home for the first three months, six months, 12 months, five years till the child is off to school, you know, whatever it is, right? And so we have different definitions around what is my role as a parent. I grew up in a multi-generational household. There are a ton of relatives around. And the expectation is I had a, a mom who worked. And so just different cultural and, and societal upbringing in, in my household with lots of true, truly the village raising the kid. And so I was lucky in that way that that was going to be an option for me. And so I had different expectations. I knew that I, I wanted to work, that it was satisfying for me. So the parenting piece was, okay, I'm going to have both the work and the family. I knew that that was going to be the case. Then with the dream career, though, I, I call myself a reluctant entrepreneur. I didn't think that I would have to build it for myself, but I knew that I was interested in helping people. I knew that I was interested in careers. I had always been in the advisory business in one way, shape, or form. Again, my first job was as a management consultant advising businesses. But even as a college intern, I worked in the Office of Career Services in the university. And so I was doing some payroll. I was doing some resume organization. I was the gopher for employers. I was always in and around that space. And I, I knew tangentially it'd be something there. I just didn't know what shape that would take. But I knew that it would be something 
in that area and something that would allow me to be present as a parent, but then also present for myself that I was a music major in college. I still had an interest in the arts. I, I would not have a full life if I didn't have some of these other things happening. So it was never this guilt trip that I see other parents, especially women, put on themselves about, well, doing something for myself is taking away from my kids. I always just thought that I was modeling for my kids what a healthy personal life looks like. <laughs> that, wow. that you that doing stuff for yourself is actually a gift that you give to them. And they have eclectic interests and they are self-sufficient and they're not kids anymore. The, the My youngest one is actually turning 21 this month. Oh, so wow. they're adults, they're young adults. So it sounds like you kind of intuitively knew something that the rest of us or many of us um, have had to learn. Um, you know, had to learn that, oh, it is okay for me to be fulfilled. In fact, it's necessary, right, to be um, a, the parent that we want to be, to be able to actually, we have to nurture ourselves in order to nurture our kids. Um, so yeah, that that is, that's such a great point. Um, yeah. And again, I had a great role model and my mom was a, was a working mom and she was a single working mom because my parents divorced at a young age and she had a day job. She had a part-time job. She sold Avon. I always say that she was the original side hustler, right? The person who has the little business outside of the, out of the corporate job. And so I, I could see that she had all of these things. Plus she had a full family life with a big extended family. And she was my first piano teacher. So she played the piano. And so that there was just other ways of doing it. It was when I was a recruiter and would, would talk to people and I would hear these guilt trips from other people. And I thought, huh, why do we even listen to that? You know, I was lucky that I, that didn't necessarily occur to me until later. Right. And, but the point is that we can learn a different way. And that's, it's all about breaking those, this, that status quo, breaking those cultural beliefs um, and doing it another way, building it another way. So what, okay, so you said the first step is first to figure out what type of a parent do you want to be and what that looks like for you. So again, it's not doing it the same way everybody. Right, because we tend to get into that too. Yeah, so, exactly. People yeah. have different philosophies around parenting, of course. Right, right. I can have a different philosophy than my neighbor or my friend or my sister or you know whoever it is. And, you know, this is what feels good to me. And this is what I want as a parent. So, um, what's the next step? Yeah, and so you have that, and then you define what your dream career is. And I think this right. is where it it gets tricky. Because I think when people hear that dream career, you know, they'll think, okay, it must be, I, I must know the company that I'm working for. I must know the exact job title. And I look at it more amorphously and more about, okay, well, do you know what you'll be doing day to day? What are the problems you're going to be solving? So I knew that I liked working with people. I knew that I liked working on their careers. So that can take a number of different forms. I could be working in HR and, and helping support 
careers of people in one company. I could be working in recruiting and I could be hiring people. I could be working as a career coach. I might just be a general manager somewhere and involved in my employees' lives and, and supporting them as a mentor and as a good boss. I mean, so there's just so many different ways, even when you pinpoint, oh, okay, I want to work with people in their careers. And so when people start right away trying to jump to, well, what company would that be? And what job title would that be? They miss the broader question around, well, I don't know what company that would be or job title, because there are a lot of different things this could be. But just sit first in the ideal of what do you want to be doing? Where generally do you want to be working? Do you want to be working from home because you want to be there? I knew that I wanted a location independent business ultimately, because I always wanted to travel. I had, uh, my husband and I had our kids relatively young. We actually met in high school. So we got married much earlier than your typical New York City couple, uh, had kids earlier. Um, and so we didn't do the six weeks in Europe, you know, after you graduate and the, mm-hmm. the ho- youth hostels and all that, you know, kind of fun stuff. We, we skipped all that. We like went right into our careers and right into building a family. And so I knew eventually that I wanted to travel more, that my definition of parenting and, and working was more integrated than, you know, having the big job and a little bit time for the family or having a lot of family time, just a little bit time for the job it was more balanced. And so I'd probably have to build that for myself. So these are just general things that I'm exploring and general things that my clients explore. You know, we really just try to get clear on what are the priorities because many jobs can look like that. It might be running your own business. You know, it might be consulting. It might be something, but just don't be so quick to define the name of it before defining the criteria. Okay. Yeah. So let yourself dream a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And and don't even tell people except for your trusted advisor or trusted coach what your dreams are, because again, so many people have very strict definitions of what it means to be a working parent or a successful professional, or, you know, the entrepreneur has to be all in 24 seven on their business, or it's not really a business. So sometimes when you tell people what your ideas are, they'll be quick to jump in with their own philosophy or their own ideas. And if you're not 100% sure, you might be like, oh, maybe I should do what that person just said, you know, and no, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't. You should sit in your own ideas for a little bit and make sure that you protect them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes too, when we allow ourselves to dream, we, we can shut it off because we're like, well, how would that ever happen? Or, you know, how would I ever do that? So what do you say to that? Yeah, you can be your own worst enemy. So I talked about the other person jumping in. Many times we play that game with ourselves. You know, it's right. the, the the person in our mind. You, you, you get an idea. It's like, oh, I've always wanted to work in the media industry. Well, how are you going to do that, Caroline? And it's like, oh, who said that? Oh, I said that, right? Just thinking yeah. and second guessing myself. And then we don't allow ourselves to even get the idea that, oh, but maybe I could just start writing for my own blog or writing for a community newspaper. And then I'll see even if I like to write and then maybe someone will notice me. And honestly, that is exactly how it happened with me. I 
was not trained to be a writer. So I, I've had multiple career advice columns at this point. But in the beginning, I was just trying to find my approach and my philosophy. And I felt that writing writing was fun for me. I didn't try to pick something that I didn't enjoy and force myself to do it. I picked something that I enjoyed. And I just said, let me just do this and see how far it goes. And when I got my Forbes column, the editor had mentioned that she had seen my work. She couldn't even remember where because she had seen it in so many different places at that point. And so, you know, things, things snowball into, into real opportunities. Yeah. And I think too, and I can speak for myself as well, that I think we get into this, um, well, who am I to do that? Or what are other people going to think? You know, like, I can't do that because then what are my ex-coworkers going to think or what, you know, and I, I know I played that game a little bit too um, when I left teaching for coaching and, you know, well, I can't let them know what I'm doing because they're going to be like, you know, who does she think she is? So do you, do you find people do that too? Yeah, a hundred percent. So the fear of embarrassment, the fear of failure, the fear of fill in the blank, you know, losing right. identity. So, and especially, you know, something like teaching where it's this noble profession and it's a, it's a good job. It's a secure job and it's a helping job. And how could you walk away from an established career? So, you know, I work with a lot of experienced professionals and so they, they get that question a lot. How can you just turn your back on the education that you've gotten and the experience that you already have and the salary that would be blah, blah, blah. And I tell them to just replace all of those fears with just one, which is the fear of regret. And the fear of regret is around the, you know, what could have been. I, I think that's the scariest fear of them all. Because I feel like everything else you can get back. You know, if, if you really miss this out, I've definitely made some, um, not necessarily like full-time career moves, but I've experimented with things where I'm like, you know, that's not as interesting as I thought it would be. You know, I, I like writing comedically and I would love to write for somebody else. I didn't like performing as a comic at all. Really, I didn't like the comedy club atmosphere. I loved, I loved to laugh. I like to go to comedy clubs as a spectator, and I do like to write jokes. But I don't like to deliver jokes. I would never had known that had I not gone as far as I, you know. I really had to experiment, and so, but you know, look, you can always. I, I spent the time that I spent, and now I have moved on to other things, and I am more focused on my writing. So you can always get it back. I've had people, I had a career changer client who left a good job, quote unquote, good job in banking, in a brand name investment bank, big salary. And she had always wanted to work in education and development, something like that. She got herself a job in a public school system in development and outreach. And it was an amazing two, almost three years for her, but she actually liked finance. She missed that environment. She ended up going back, but to a different role where her clients, instead of being other financial firms, which is what she did before, they were actually nonprofits and education institutions. And she was uniquely mm -hmm. positioned to do that because of now her combined experience. She would never have thought that was possible. She That never even crossed her radar as a thing, but 
it became a real opportunity for her because she pivoted. And so even when you make a pivot, it's not going to be all it's cracked up to be. It never is. We always have to adjust. That's true for any job. Even if you are a teacher, year one is different from year five, is different from year 10. So we're always making a journey of some kind. We might as well be aiming for something that we really want so that we don't look back and say, you know, what might have been had I really been honest with myself and not so hung up on what other people might think of me or the money I could have made or, you know, whatever it is that that stops people from taking chances. Right. And I think so much of the time, I really want to come back to this parenting. I think so much of the time when we are raising children, we feel like we can't make a change at that time because of the uncertainty or, you know, we want that security. So is there a good or a bad time to make this type of a change? Can you make you know, this type of a change while you're raising children? I always tell people your own internal readiness trumps market conditions anytime. And market conditions includes all external conditions. So it includes having kids. It includes you know, getting married, getting divorced, buying a house, moving, uh, a bad market, right? We are in a high inflation, recessionary, chaotic kind of job market right now. Is now a good time? Well, I don't know if you just asked me in general, I would say no, but I would also bet on the person who's 100% all in and who just feels like I need to do this right now over another person who's lukewarm about it, even in a growth market, right? So mm -hmm. even in the best conditions, mm -hmm. if you're lukewarm about something, it's really not going to work out. But if you are in the toughest conditions, really committed and saying, I'm going to make something work. Now, that being said, I will say that I have coached a lot of couples, not as couples, but the, the, the spouse will refer me to the spouse. It's really just interesting how this works about the, the other person's career change. I don't necessarily recommend that spouses or partners make a career, a big career move at the same time, right? Because there is, there's a runway that you have to go to. You're starting a new job. You have to get to know the people. You have to establish your credibility. You have to establish your relationships. You're just going to be inefficient. I mean, you are not going to be the same person on that job three months, six months, nine months, 12 months. So if you can stagger your moves, stagger your moves. If you've just delivered twins, there's a physical fatigue or just even one baby. I mean, I only had one right. baby at a time. It was exhausting, right? right. <laughs> and right. I spaced them out. I mean, my kids are apart by almost six years. It was mm. still exhausting when the second yeah. one yeah. came. So there's, you also have to be mindful of there's a physical, mental, emotional fatigue. You are going to be inefficient there because, and then you also just don't know. I mean, do you have a completely normal, if there's a completely normal pregnancy and delivery, are there going to be complications? To, you know, so there are definitely signals that, hey, I may not want to take on as much in my work life because this is happening in my family. My spouse or partner is making a move. I'm birthing a baby. We're moving uh, residences. Um, you know, for me, for example, because I can now look at the arc of, of parenthood, certainly there was the, the immediate just 
oh my goodness, recovering from, from the pregnancies. And they were different pregnancies. I had two kids and it was not the same in, in both cases. The morning sickness, that was different. The delivery is different. So just different experiences. And then of course, having the second one, it was juggling with, with having an older one now and, and having to juggle two for the first time. And if you're a parent who has three, four, five, et cetera. Um, and then I remember when they started school, that was also a transition period. So I wasn't going to launch a new product when, when that's happening. You know, I can control what I can control. Now, sometimes you just can't control it. I was coaching at an organization during uh, the great financial crisis. So if you remember in 2008, 9, 10, there were instances where financial institutions were in danger of, of failing outright. So the market was going insane. And I was working with a bank and I was working with a team that was going to be advising the different lines of business around the solvency, the solvency of this bank. So they were fighting mm -hmm. for their lives. And it so happened to be September, October timeframe. This is back to school time. This is, you know, busy time also for families. And I was talking to a number of, you know, women business leaders there. And we were just having a frank conversation. And I said to them, in the ideal circumstances, I would say that you do not try to launch an initiative around back to school time, around the holiday time, or these are extraordinary times. So if you can get extra help from your family, extra household help, extra support from your partner, you have to let them know that this is just an unusual period for where you are. And so it works both ways. So on the one hand, yes, you have these, these family obligations, but on the other hand, to be mindful of your own business, your own career, your own personal response, you know, your personal pursuits, you might want to do something that is you know, as a once in a lifetime opportunity, or it's just the business is calling you. So it works both ways. It can be personal, it can be professional. Okay. Yeah. And I think, so when we make these changes, you know, it's not always just uphill all the time, right? We, you know, we, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to be able to learn from those mistakes. We're going to be able to grow and, you know, um, get bigger. So I think too, can you speak a little bit to, um, you know, allowing yourself to pivot, um, even within your, you know, your dream job, um, yeah, 100%. So I had mentioned in that story about the bank that was undergoing a, a pretty busy time. And I had said to the closed door session of, of women business unit leaders, I said, get some extra help. This is an extraordinary time. And that holds true in any extraordinary time, right? And so if you find yourself that you are making a career pivot and you have said, okay, the kids are in a good place. They're off to school. I, I feel like we're not moving. There's no other thing that's happening. I'm going to launch that product or I'm going to go for that promotion or I'm going to double down in, in some way, shape or form. Then you look around and say, okay, what are the gaps here? What help do I need? Do I need to hire 
babysitting help because I need to do some extra networking events going for that promotion? Do I need to just get my spouse on board? They can cover that. Do I need to get myself a coach? Do I need to take a class and get a certification? Do I need a social media marketer because I am launching a product and that's not my expertise? So there are so many just different examples of people getting help. My clients will find help from, again, their significant other, just clearing the schedule, having a family calendar that says, hey, I used to do the Wednesday evening, whatever, but I can't do that anymore because I really need to take this class or that's the only time my coach has or what fill in the blank. Um, And it also might be the opposite where you're at a period in your business where things are good. You've got a full pipeline. You've got some repeat clients. And, And I know that was kind of where I was when my kids were applying to college and I deliberately cleared the decks and I wanted to have more time to not even help them with their applications. They were really self-sufficient around that, but just talking them through what are the pros and cons. It's a big financial decision. It's a big life decision. You know, it's talking about their future and you want to be emotionally present. So it wasn't even that I was spending a lot of hours. It was more that I wanted to be emotionally available and not spend every extra amount of energy on my business at that point, or it could be on career. And so it, it's it's about knowing when to put your foot on the gas if you need to make a push. It's also knowing when to let up if you can just coast a little bit and airmark some of that time for one of the other areas in your life, including yourself, right? So including just, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to take a comedy class because I just finished writing a book. You know, I made a big push in the business and then I wanted to do something for myself. So I took a class. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good point of being, taking care of yourself emotionally so you can be emotionally available both for the business and for your family um, and your energy, taking care of your energy and asking for help. I think that's a big one um, <clears throat> that we oftentimes get into this where we think we, we need to do it all ourselves. Um, so I think that's big too. And I want to go back to something you said and i you said when I asked if there is a good or a bad time to change careers, and you said something about following the internal, and the internal always trumps the external. Can you say that again? Yeah, absolutely. That internal readiness trumps yeah. external conditions anytime. Meaning that what you, and I'm not Pollyanna about this, like I said, you want to be mindful of what's happening around you. If the kids have extra, you know, if there's something going on in their lives, if there's something going on with your significant other or your just family more broadly, if there's something going on with the business, like that bank that was fighting for its solvency, or if there's something going on with you where you just made a big push and you just need to to take a, a step back. So you need to be honest with yourself about what you are ready for and what you have to give because making a career pivot, because I am not a family therapist. So my line of work is specifically advising people on the career side of things. I'm going to assume that they will get the help that they need around the relationship and the family side of it. We'll talk about productivity and goal setting, but but that's all we're going to talk about. And so from a career perspective, when you're making a pivot, 
there's stuff to do. There's research about different companies, about different roles. There's talking to people. There's looking at your online profile, your LinkedIn, your social media activity. There's reconnecting with people from your past opportunities because these are people who already know, like, and trust you and they can help you on your journey. Um, so there's just so many things that you can be doing. And so there will be an element of, of lift up. There are physical hours. There's going to be mental capacity that you're going to use. There's going to be emotional capacity that you're going to use because not everyone you reach out to is going to get back to you. Not every job you apply for is going to respond to you. There's going to be frustration and second guessing of yourself, and there's going to be ups and downs. And so you really need to think about how are you going to navigate that. And is this a good time? And I had a client who went through this whole exercise and he had 10 children. That is not a typo. One, zero. He had a busy, busy job. And so we really needed to sit down. And as much as I say, I'm not a family therapist, I insisted that he speak to a significant other. He wasn't going to do this by himself. And so, so of course he, you know, came around to that and he was, he was trying to not change anything on the family front. And I said, that's just not realistic. Right. That, that nothing's going to change. Of course, something has to change there. Right. Well, this is fascinating, Caroline. And I thank you so much for coming on today and um, just opening um, this conversation um, for the readers. And where can people get more of you? So dreamcareerclub.com. So I've made it super easy for folks. If you land there, all of my resources are there and there are different samples. There's a chapter on my of my book that you can click on and you can read that first chapter. There are different lessons in the job search course you can click on to sample what a lesson looks like in just different areas of the job search. I have a Making Fire Possible course, which is about financial independence and really untethering yourself from your job so that you have that flexibility to say, okay, maybe I want to do something location independent. Maybe I want to work more sometimes of the year and less sometimes of the year. I just have a very different philosophy. I I work to live. I don't live to work. So I want my work to be subservient to me. And so in that course, I just talk about different ways of, of looking at how do you support yourself that don't need to mean like a big paying traditional job that keeps you tethered at a desk. So there are sample lessons from that course as well. And so there's a bunch of free stuff there. And and that's good enough, I think, to get people started. Yeah. What did you say? I live to... No, I work to live rather than the other way around. You know, there are some people, they live to work. (laughs) Their identity is their job. They're, they're, they're all of their waking hours. It's their job. That is who they are that, and that's fine. If you really feel emotionally and spiritually nourished that way. But for me, it's the other way around. I work to live. I have a life that includes my work. And of course I work to pay the bills and to pay for college, you know, expensive colleges, you're a teacher, you know, like the education system is not free. So, so there are expenses or obligations that, that we have in life, but we don't have to only work. There's all this other stuff, whether it's comedy or something else. I love that. I love it so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Caroline, for taking the time to be here today. 
and informing me and all of the listeners. So thank you. And thank you everybody for tuning in to this week's episode. And we'll see you back here again next week. Bye everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Beauty and Behavior Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I'm so very grateful for all of you who are showing up here with me because I believe subtle shifts create big impact. How we show up in our life, in our relationships, or our parenting impact our life, our children's lives, and the world. If you're ready to brave the wilderness of your beautiful soul, live life from the inside out, and create the life you want to live, head over to my website at diansorensen.net and get on my calendar to see if the Beauty and Behavior family is the right fit for you. I got you, and we'll talk again soon.